the team at CTS, this is the Train Ride Podcast, our show for endurance athletes who want to learn how to train more effectively and improve their performance. I'm Coach Hillary Allen, your host for the running edition of the show, where it's my job to interview top coaches, scientists, experts, and athletes in the world of running to bring you actionable training tips you can apply to your training. Make sure to also listen to our cycling edition of the show with my co-host, Coach Adam Pulford, which alternates weekly with these running episodes. Now, let's dive into the show and learn how you can train right. This episode of the Train Right Podcast is brought to you by the CTS Train Right Membership. The Train Right Membership helps you get the most out of your limited training time so that you can improve your performance and achieve your athletic goals. With the membership, you get access to science-based training plans, an 800-plus workout library, and an app to track your progress, along with advice from professional coaches via an online private form. Go to trainright.com backslash membership to learn where to start and use code TRAINRIGHT for a free 14-day trial. Again, that's code TRAINRIGHT in all capital letters for a free 14-day trial. Hello and welcome to the Train Right Podcast. Today's guest, we have Claire Gallagher. Claire is an ultra runner and environmental act advocate living in Boulder, Colorado. After studying the impacts of climate change on coral reefs, she transitioned to running in mountain regions. She won the Leadville 100 and Western States 100 mile runs. But more importantly, Claire advocates for air quality, renewable energy, and public lands policies. She's a Patagonia global sports activist, and works with the climate advocate organization, Protect Our Winters. Hey, Claire. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming. Hi, Hillary. Thank you for having me. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah, we're, we're not far, which is nice. It's, uh, well, yeah, welcome back to you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm so happy to be back in Colorado. Um, but yeah, I'm super pumped to talk to you today because I feel like, um, I mean, especially especially this year with everything that's been going on and for years to come, I feel like we're at kind of a pivotal moment um, for, you know, policy change and what it means to be an outdoor um, athlete and kind of an advocate for envi- the environment or an activist for the environment. Um, so I guess we're just going to kick it off. Um, what does it mean to be an environmental activist to you? And Am I using that right? Advocate, act, activist? What do you think? Yeah, well, I, it kind of depends on the context, but um, yeah, we can we can go from there. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I think this those two words, advocate and activist, they've uh, some people have a lot of opinions about them. I yeah. I see advocate as uh, a bit more of a formal role, like an environmental advocate might be someone who lobbies at Mm. the the federal level. So in DC for like climate organizations or uh, conversely for oil companies, um, that wouldn't be an environmental advocate, but uh, (laughs) an activist might be seen more as a grassroots level. So someone like an organizer who is contacting people, community members like in a small town or in a a smaller area and um doing maybe more one-on-one type work or you could see an activist as someone like 
doing direct action. So say doing sit-ins at a senator's office who isn't supporting climate organizations or, um, you know, hanging big signs over a highway that says, you know, like vote for earth, vote for Biden, um, things like that. And um, I, I see myself as both an advocate and an activist. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't, you know, uh, think for the context of this conversation, it's, it's matters too much, <laughs> okay. um, but it's kind of interesting when you get into the weeds, cause someone maybe if those phrases are new to them, um, yeah. it, it's cool to see the, the big span of ways you can get involved with, with environmental advocacy and mm-hmm. activism. You know, it could be in a really, uh, formal or like less, um, one-on-one setting, like, even just signing on to online petitions or sending emails to your senators or representatives or calling them um, like that, that fits in with it. Uh, But so does like running up for clean air, you know, and going to events and talking to people about climate advocacy and, and climate change. And um, yeah, it's, it could mean a million things, which I think is so cool. I hope, I hope that people, feel invited, you know, that every human on this planet can see themselves as an environmentalist just by virtue of living on this planet and breathing air. Um, sometimes it's clean and sometimes it's not clean, you know, so <laughs> that like makes, makes air political, like intrinsically. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's actually, I mean, so I just got back from, you know, a year living in France and mm-hmm. um, I mean, their environmental policies are a bit different, but still um, like, even here, I mean, I did the running up for air, uh, the Rufa event, and it was in Salt Lake City, outside of Salt Lake City, and yeah. we had a, kind of the Colorado equivalent here. I did uh, two summers ago, um, but I mean, even this this summer, like with the air quality, the poor air quality of the fires occurring in Colorado, like it can just start as simple as that, like where people get you know to kind of experience, you know, what's it like um, to not be able to kind of go outside and have your kind of your health at risk. Um, and I think totally. it's, it's crazy that people see that, um, maybe take it for granted unless it's kind of in their immediate, um, I don't know, in their immediate kind of presence. Um, but I guess, I mean, that kind of leads me to my, to my other question is how do you see the role of athletes and, you know, professional or non-professional athletes, um, you know, shaping the future of outdoor sport, recreation, education, and like influencing almost policy? Yeah, uh, I see it as a responsibility mm-hmm. for any. Uh, let's let's stick with any ultra runner or trail runner. You yeah. know, for our community, um, yeah. any professional who is who is seen and has a platform in mm-hmm. this community to be talking about um, clean air and how I believe clean air is a human right and. Yeah. It's it's cool when, you know, most of us have clean air to breathe, but just because, say, you go through a year where your AQI, your air quality index, isn't bad, it, it doesn't mean you, we should turn a blind eye to the communities that are breathing really polluted air. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are more urban areas, you know, it's it's predominantly areas that have like oil refineries or toxic chemical plants near them. And, you know, you look at the stats of that, it's predominantly black and brown Mm -hmm. communities. And 
And, you know, no one's immune to it. I live in Boulder, Colorado, which doesn't have oil refineries by it, but we experienced the horrific smoke from wildfires this year. It's the worst I've ever experienced and breathed in my entire life. And I've lived in Colorado. I grew up here. Yeah. Um, you know, Me too. Yeah. Almost three decades, right? Yeah. You were yeah. in Collins and I was south of Denver. And I just, it's, it's becoming too big to ignore. And so how that looks, I guess, for every, say, like professional runner is is obviously different. You know, not mm-hmm. everyone feels empowered to educate their followers or whatnot. But I think whatever feels right to you is worth it. You know, even just yeah. talking about it, like what does it feel like to breathe bad air and and why it matters that our leaders should should also regulate pollutants because mm-hmm. clean air is a human right. And we have the Clean Air Act um, in the U.S. and a lot of other countries have similar, you know, like seminal environmental policies mm-hmm. and laws. And right now our government is failing us. Like our government is not using the Clean Air Act to regulate uh, emissions of CO2, which is causing a worse global climate change. And, mm-hmm. and that's a problem. So it's like, how much do we want to talk about this in the running world? You know, it's different for everyone, but mm-hmm. every little mention matters. Every little educational piece we find matters, especially mm-hmm. as our, as our scene becomes so digital, you know, it's so sad. We, we have to do so much online, but I know but, and, um, it matters. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, this is maybe a little bit of a tangent, but I feel like in the ultra running world and trail running world, there's a lot of crossover between like winter sports, especially in, you know, Colorado or in mountainous places and, you know, the off season and your, um, what's your role at, um, protect our winters. Yeah. So Protect Your Winners has kind of expanded to anyone who doesn't know what it is. It was started by a snowboarder, Jeremy Jones, who saw increasingly melting glaciers around the world as he was snowboarding crazy lines. And uh, and so he was like, why aren't snowboarders and skiers and, and other outdoor athletes doing anything about this? And it's really blossomed into this uh, huge, I think, like... It's a a light at the end of this very dark, unknown tunnel of a way we can all come together and agree that, you know, if you like to be outside, then we should care about climate change. And the what, what POW does specifically compared to other organizations is it works on political advocacy. So it's going to this local, state, and federal level. And they work in particular states that are like more strategic, um, you know, that have a chance of passing good climate laws, like in Colorado, for example, in the last few years. And they bring pro athletes to um, testify on bills. So people like Tommy Codwell, the rock climber, Caroline Gleick, the ski mountaineer have have been in D.C. testifying um, of why, like, why Caroline needs winter literally to do her job, um, <laughs> which is skiing, and not not to mention the hundreds of thousands of other people who make their livings off um, the ski industry, and uh, you know, so it makes it it pow connects like the economics of climate change with the outdoor industry, and there's a huge contingent. I mean, I know you've seen or you've posted a bunch about pow, Hillary. Um, yeah. 
And, you know, so there's runners getting involved and anyone who runs outside who wants to get involved with more of this political side of climate advocacy, I highly recommend going to protectourwinners.org and seeing if there's any like state bills um, near you. Uh, Obviously, the big push of the last year was the elections that just happened. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so next it'll be, you know, how does the Biden administration push climate climate work and can we get some state level bills passed and yeah it's it's a good org yeah and I mean even with stuff like that it's it's been interesting um being able to kind of be involved virtually like you said I mean it's, it's kind of crazy and how much uh you know virtually we can make a difference even if we're not kind of in the same area but I mean me coming from you know kind of looking on from afar in France it's like these policies, it's not, you know, it's not just, I mean, it starts local for sure, mm-hmm. but they have these huge other implications. I mean, in the United States, like, I mean, we don't really have glaciers aside from in like the Pacific Northwest and maybe some old glaciers in Montana and Wyoming, but, mm-hmm. you know, ours have kind of disappeared. And so it's like, I know pretty much almost every trail runner has either been to Chamonix or like has fantasized about, you know, running in the Alps where, there are glaciers and you can see them in real time kind of receding, you know, from my five years of going back and forth to Europe, you know, I've, I've seen it in my lifetime in a short amount of time. And so it makes it that much more tangible and um, just more kind of the urgency, I think. Um, And yeah, it's, I think it's, it's, it's not just something that like, it is in your backyard, but it also just, it, we're all connected in, in some way. And it's like, if you, you know, if you think it's like if your pollution or whatever you're trying to protect your CO2 emissions uh, in Colorado, you know, we all live in the same world. It can all travel. It's all, it's affecting climates that are, you know, across the ocean too. So right. it's like this connectedness. 100%. And it's wild because so many runners are, uh, are really smart. And for example, I was testifying and I I guess what I meant to say is, is so many runners are actually a lot more versed in the everyday impacts of climate change than Mm -hmm. some of our elected officials. And I, and I say this to really empower our community. I was testifying on a bill at the Colorado state level, um, in 2019, it was like, it was, HB 1261, which was basically um, to get Colorado's emissions to um, neutral by 2050, you know, as one of those like stepwise bills. Mm-hmm. And a state representative from Colorado Springs uh, said, you know, hey, I know you uh, you run in Boulder, but you could come down to Colorado Springs where we have lots of athletes, the Olympic Training Center, um, Pikes Peak Marathon, and and they don't seem to be bothered by um, air pollution in Colorado Springs. And I was like, what? You know, this is like in a, this is in the state capital. It's like a very official setting. And here is an elected official who is failing to acknowledge very basic facts of science that one, Colorado Springs does experience pretty bad air pollution, just like the front range of, of Denver. Um, and, 
and it's just, you know, what he said was false. Like, just because you have athletes living there doesn't mean they are living there because your air is clean. It's actually not clean. And maybe you should check your own air quality, um, like, on a more regular basis. And and so it put me in a really uncomfortable position. You know, here I am trying to testify on air quality when an elected official is is just saying something that's blatantly false. Um, and yeah. so... That's where I want to empower more runners to be like, hey, I know what I'm breathing. You know, I know what I see. I might not be a PhD climate scientist, but I know that these forest fire smoke that I'm feeling in the Bay Area or Colorado or wherever, you know, Bozeman, Oregon this year, it was all over. Yeah. I know this isn't normal. And like, I'm going to get involved with a local organization. I'm going to talk to my trail running group. I'm going to do something, you know. <laughs> And it trickles up because that's eventually we need to get people like him out of office. Yeah. And it's like, and I know it's exactly, it's like, we're all part of this bigger community. So I feel it's like empowering. That's the coolest part about the trail running community. I feel is that it is a community and everyone like brings each other up. So it's really cool to see, um, you know, all of the, like, you know, trail runners kind of doing their part to impact things on a bigger, broader level. Yeah. 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 And it's like, you know, it sounds kind of vague what we're talking about, but to get specific, it's like yeah. you can Google organizations like 350.org and see what the local chapter is or sunrisemovement.org, which mm. is, that's like, they definitely uh, identify as activists. I, I love Sunrise Movement. They do a lot of direct action and climate justice. Um, but even like, say trail work is your thing, you know, like doing trail maintenance, Mm. You know, that it all it all adds up because because say you aren't trying to get too political for whatever reason, like I respect you, um, but there's always ways we can get more connected and give back, you know. Yeah. And so this is also this is a kind of a good little segue. Um, mm -hmm. So when how do you balance being a trail runner, like a professional athlete and your carbon footprint? Um, oh, great question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I'm sure like you've thought about this a bunch. I feel like we've talked about this on runs before. Uh, yeah. And uh, my answer to that, is, I'll give you the, the, sh the shorter version is everyone is imperfect in some way. At least yeah. I know I will always be imperfect. And I really don't want to get my imperfections in the way of any type of progress you know, yeah. I could refuse to travel and move, you know, off grid and not use a cell phone and and do all the things to have a very low impact lifestyle. And, mm -hmm. and I'm choosing not to do that. I'm choosing to find a medium, you know, yeah. and I think professional athletes get a lot of unwarranted flack for flying yeah. to races because frankly, it's our job. Uh, I, I chose to travel fewer times to Europe in the last few years. Obviously, I haven't been this year um, because I started to add up my my emissions every year. And I'm like, OK, you know what? I I can't justify like that many flights across the ocean. So I'm going to limit it to only one, like at the very most, you know, so I'm doing yeah. little things here and there. And I trust that other people are making those decisions for themselves. And I've been told like completely lambasted on social media for being, you know, a hypocrite and blah, blah, blah. This yeah. was a couple of years ago. And I think people have started to, to look a little bit bigger picture because when you look at 
a lot of, or I think it's like air travel emissions in the US, um, a large percentage of that, I'm not sure what percent, but it's more than 50, is corporate travel. And so to criticize a professional athlete who has a platform for doing their job, but to not look at the corporate world of travel, of, of people who are you know flying from New York to LA every week, um, I think is really unfair and unwarranted because I don't think, you know, people who have to fly to do their job um, can't be climate advocates. You still can, you know, everyone's in their own, is in their own scope. Um, So I would encourage people to like go easy on themselves, you know, say you drive like a gas guzzling truck, like that doesn't mean you can't be a climate advocate. You can be, you could be maybe the best climate advocate in the world, you know? <laughs> um, but consider buying an electric car once your truck dies. Um, <laughs> if you can afford, you know, uh, like we can do things here and there, which is what I've, I've done in my personal life. But, um, I, I think, yeah, we have to really go easy on ourselves and know that we're all connected and no one is perfect. <laughs> I know. I love that. And we have, we've ha- I feel like with some of these conversations we've had on runs, I feel like it's like, you can, we can like save the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, no, but it's, it's like, it starts small. I mean, at least, at least for um, like, we've talked about this as far as like traveling to races. I mean, one way that I would combat it is because I primarily race in Europe. So mm-hmm. yeah, between- that's your that's like what you do. You're a sky runner, you know? So it's like, you can't get criticized for that. So anyways, sorry. No, but I mean, (laughs) so I mean, I'd have to go there. So basically what I would do is instead of flying back and forth for each race, Mm -hmm. I would literally fly once and then I would stay in Europe for the summer and then fly back. Um, So I'd only be taking two flights, but of course, you know, that's requires some, 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 some different things, but I saw that kind of as an opportunity. And I mean, this past year when I was in, when I was in France, I mean, I got stuck there, but, (laughs) um, but I know I actually had a, like a whole year without a car. And like, you know, even though I have a car here in the United States, I, um, I still, I have my bike. And so I, I use my bike any chance I can get. And it, you know, it starts small, but you're right. It's like everyone, everyone isn't, isn't perfect. And, um, we've talked about this too, as far as like, you know, eating less, less meat or Mm -hmm. things like this. Like I haven't been able to do that perfectly. I mean, like, you know, as a woman who, you know, iron content is super important, you know, I can't, I can't do that a hundred percent of the time, mm-hmm. but there's also, you know, there's ways that you can, you you can, it's not an all or nothing situation. I mean, there's ways that, you know, if you have it, have it once a week, that's better than, you know, every meal <laughs> or <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, and so this is this is also kind of like um, a related question to this because it's something that that I've wondered, um, and it's something that I also, I also balance kind of um, in my mind when I'm trying to race. Um, so, do you consider your goals for racing and running and travel first, or do you build your goals around environmental concerns first? Do you see? Yeah, I think. Um, so I've been doing this professionally for. F- four years now for, mm-hmm. um, basically since 2016. And, and as I started, I was definitely more building like a race schedule and like an, a, a work schedule, um, mm-hmm. based on like what, you know, the brands I was running for required. Um, 
And in the last few years, it's completely pivoted to seeing like, okay, what, what, yeah, big environmental commitments do I have? Like I considered the election an environmental commitment this last year. So these, the last like six months leading up to the election, and this was pre-COVID, I, I didn't plan any races. I didn't plan any um, international travel because I knew I, I wanted to be in the U.S., uh, particularly in Colorado. And mm-hmm. I'm lucky because I work for Patagonia and they value environmental engagement over racing, um, really over anything, everything. <laughs> so it's, it's part of my job uh, to care about, you know, say there's like a big climate march there was in 2018 and in, in, in September of 2018. And so I kind of planned my fall around a climate march there. Um, and yeah, it, it ends up like kind of all working out, you know, I think anyone who everyone is balancing multiple goals or commitments in their lives. Um, I don't have kids, you know, but I can imagine someone with like kids and a job and lots of family around the world. Like, you know, you're always like layering how you can double things up. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so that's what I've started to do with, with running more so and environmental issues. Um, Yeah. And I'm intrigued by going to places that have some, some issues going on, you know, yeah. Um, or say like a race that has a really rad uh, environmental ethic or um, I'm trying to not do races that are just kind of like whatever, you know, <laughs> um, and I'm not to say that that that's bad, but I want to be proud of, of the races I'm running and, and advocating for, you know, what the race directors stand for and how they run their race and so, yeah, that's really come into my mind in the last few years. Oh, yeah. See, that's that's awesome. And I feel like that's kind of a way that every runner can be a little bit more kind of engaged and um, involved because, yeah, it's all about the, like, you know, I think integrity, basically. Like, yeah. You know, you know and some of these, yeah, some of these big races, maybe you're like, oh, is there like anything interesting, you know, about the ethics of how this race is run. And, and I found you can often dig and learn, you know, more, there's always more to a race than, than you might think. Um, like, Hey, are you donating any of your profits to a a nonprofit? And then you like look into that nonprofit, you know, and, Hmm. and cause I, I've been actually very impressed and surprised in my, like the last few years of, of choosing races. I'm like, Whoa, like, People, people are getting after good stuff. For example, like Lake Sonoma, I didn't realize that all of their profits go to um, a really rad non nonprofit in in wine country Sonoma that that is essentially scholarships for um, for kids whose parents work in the wine um, industry and and fields. So, and yeah. I just like, had no idea, right? Yeah, um, I didn't have any idea. I was going to ask you for. Do you have an, another example? Because like I had no idea. I should. Boot yeah. You know, and even like, so the only race I really did, I guess I did a few more. I did, I did a handful in 2019, but I ran Western States. That was like the big one I did. And what? Yeah, no big deal. You, yeah. you, you can run at Western States. You won it. Like, you know, they, they've gone coupless. They, they still, you know, have a few aid stations that I think like use maybe some single use cups, but, but they've made the commitment to like stop using single use stuff. 
More importantly, they have done things like their transgender runner policy, like wow. actually incorporating a, a an inclusive, progressive policy at a world class race. Where you know, if you're a transgender woman running in Western states, you don't have to prove anything to enter the race. You know, like that. That matters to me, and I think it should matter to everyone. You know. Um, so, and most people don't know these things, right? And so it's like yeah. it's cool to dig to see that some of these races in our community are are actually doing a lot more than people might think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and not to mention, Western states got rid of the word of, you know, the the super racist, misogynistic term that that is named after, you know, I'll say it, it's it's Squaw Valley. Um, yeah, they're finally they got rid of it. It's gone. It's, you know, yeah. no one's using the hashtag anymore. Everyone's using see you at states. Um, mm. You know, the, the ski resort is getting rid of of that name. It's Olympic Village or um now mm-hmm. so it's just like yeah craig thornley like you are a leader you know he's for <laughs> western states um like i'm really proud of that like that i and i see that as intrinsic with climate justice right if you're listening to indigenous women about what's offensive to them you know basically a colonized term mm-hmm. um, that's one step in the right direction <laughs> Yeah. I mean, this we didn't even talk about this, but this is kind of this whole like intersectional um, environmentalism, this movement that's kind of, um, I mean, in my mind, it seems, do you, do you know much about this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the gal who kind of has the new, she has this great popular platform, Leah Thomas. Um, yeah. She used to work for Patagonia, so I know her. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, that's another topic that people should look into. But, I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit with the indigenous um, um, population and kind of how that ties into environmental activism and um, advocacy. So, Right. Yeah. yeah. And, like, is your race inviting, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I think about, like, Western states, too, with um, – I mean, I had – I interviewed Gina um, – Lucrezi uh, on this podcast about Trail Sisters in Western states is one of the races that incorporated kind of a new prog- uh, progressive policy for women who have to defer due to pregnancy. And, uh, like, yeah. So, yeah. So awesome. Yeah. Um, but I guess to tie back into uh, to obviously like environmentalism and activism and advocacy, um, how what's what's your best advice for trail runners to make a difference and be more involved? in environmental advocacy or awareness? Well, I would ask them first, what interests you? You know, if someone is really intrigued by politics, I'd say, okay, I'm going to recommend an organization like Protect Our Winners or Sunrise Movement or even um, Mm 350.org where those organizations are educating and informing like members or people who are following along with with really important policies that are happening. And then you can kind of like geek out, right? And then you can contact your representatives and senators and get all your friends to when the moment is necessary. You know, because mm-hmm. it goes like in waves, right? With with politics, it's in waves. Like sometimes there's not really much to be like getting out the word word about. Um but often there is. 
But say that sounds like horrible to you and you just want nothing to do with anything I just said, then, you know, do you like doing trail work? I think there are so many of us trail runners. Supposedly there's 8.5 million of us that identify as trail runners in the U.S. And we could be pulling a little more weight when it comes to trail work. I know there are so many communities in the U.S. that are, you know, trail mm-hmm. running groups like our our Boulder group, Rocky Mountain Runners, has been doing work even during COVID. They've, you know, found ways to do it safely. Um, but if if going out and, you know, whacking at the ground with a shovel sounds fun to you, like that matters. <laughs> um <laughs> Say you just have no idea where to start and you're a big reader. It's like there's there's a, so many books that you could that you could read, you know, you could start with. Um, if you're big into like Twitter, it's like, hey, first follow all your representatives, your city council members and like some climate scientists. Right. And and just start to learn and immerse yourself and, and see what really piques your interest. Because mm-hmm. I would hate to say to every trail runner, like, hey, you got to get involved with this or you got to do this amount of trail work a year. Um, you know, people need to do what they want to do. Yeah. And I just believe that there's so much we can do in the climate movement that um, someone will always find their niche. Absolutely. I mean, and I think if people want to, that's great advice, because if people want to do what they're passionate about, then it doesn't even seem like work. It just kind of, it just happens and you get more, just like more involvement anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, (laughs) that was all the questions I had for you. (laughs) I feel like we could talk about a whole bunch of other different things, but this is, um, I think this is a great start, like for people who are wanting to get more involved and kind of interested in seeing, you know, what exactly does it mean to be an environmental advocate mm-hmm. or activist, as you said. And um, I mean, anyone who isn't already following you, mm-hmm. they should, because you're involved in some really cool stuff and you make me super excited to like go trail running. And then it just, it's like, for me, it's a trail running seems like selfish. It's like running. I feel like it's such a solo activity, but like when I go running with you or I see like kind of the stuff that you're doing, it's like, yes, heck yes. Like trail running can be part of this greater, bigger movement and you can affect positive change. And it's just really, it's really inspiring. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Hal. I, um, (laughs) yeah, we should get out soon. And, uh, yeah, I hope people are, you know, go easy on yourself too. I think sometimes if people might listen to these more environmental focused podcasts, they might think like, oh, I'm not doing anything. But looking at your life and already seeing what you are doing matters. You know, um, maybe you you run uh, like there's there's so many things that people might be doing already. You know, we've kind of covered it from diet to travel options to, um, you know, the brands you buy, things like that. And mm-hmm. um Give yourself a pat on the back and then go ask your running buddy, hey, like, what do you think we should do next? You know, because I think the best work comes from collaboration and um, actually talking to other humans. I love that. <laughs> oh, thanks, Claire. On that note, we'll thanks, say goodbye to you. And thanks so much for taking the time. And as always, it's so inspiring. Thanks for joining us this week on the Train Right podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to visit our website at trainright.com slash podcast. You can find social links and more information from our guests, 
And you can also subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a show. You can leave us a rating on iTunes there too. Until next time, hope to see you guys soon.